host, Annie Randall, and this is a safe space for real talk regarding all things Jesus, mental health, and of course, your relationship with food. Welcome back to the second season of Triad Warriors, the podcast where we are talking about the many factors that can cause and or influence disordered eating and poor body image. With us today, we have another special guest, Abby Benson. Abby is a registered dietitian and Penn State track alum. Abby works with Riley Beatty Sports Nutrition, LLC. She specializes in helping endurance athletes fuel to perform the best. In addition, Abby works at Manette Community Health Center as a community health dietitian, helping low-income individuals combat chronic diseases and to help younger individuals not fear eating. Previously, Abby has worked as a performance dietitian at the University of Florida for three years. She worked closely with the track and field, lacrosse, and tennis teams, and she interned at the University of Tennessee and the University of Oklahoma, where she worked with the track and football teams. During her free time, Abby enjoys reading in a hammock, hiking, or biking with her fiancé, Brett, where they just completed their first triathlon together in Cohasset, Massachusetts. You can follow some of their adventures and cooking on at Abby Benson RD on Instagram. With that said, I am so excited to have Abby on the show today as her story and her message will be a huge help to many, especially to those who are athletes. As you all know, I am a former competitive athlete myself, and from personal experience, I know the pressures that come with being an athlete all too well, much of which include the pressure to, quote, look like an athlete, whatever that means, but I'll let Abby get into all of that. So as I said, Abby is a registered dietitian who specializes in sports nutrition. I was connected to her through Riley, whom some of you may know from Instagram. From our previous conversation leading up to this episode, I already know that Abby has a wealth of knowledge and both her personal and professional experiences with disordered eating will shine a light on why athletes are at such an increased risk for disordered eating. But before we get into today's topic, I do want to give you an opportunity to share a little more about yourself, Abby. Maybe share a little about your background, what brought you to the world of sports nutrition and nutrition in general, and how these topics relate to your personal story. And you can also describe what you do as a professional in this field. Yeah. Okay. Um, hi, Annie and hi. everyone. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me on here um, and your warm introduction. Um, so I'm Abby. I'm from the beautiful city of Buffalo, New York, and I got into nutrition after my uncle was diagnosed with cancer. Um, his treatment didn't go so hot, but he's luckily, I guess, in a way, he went through the hospice system and the hospice staff actually spoke on how to improve his quality of life um, with nutrition. So after he passed away, I, I started volunteering at hospice and um, celebrated patients' birthdays with them by singing happy birthday and kind of giving them a cake. And kind of like you said in your first episode, you know, food is definitely more than just like nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's able to just like bring basically community together in many ways. Um, And then through hospice training, I guess I learned that life is beautiful and, you know, 
life is, I guess life is beautiful. <laughs> um, so since I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be a dietitian, I guess just based on this experience, but I didn't know why and how. All I know is that I just kind of wanted to help people's quality of life. Um, so I landed at Penn State that that is where I wanted to go because they had their division one in track and fields and they had a great nutrition program. Um, so I'm not sure if anyone knows about the event called the steeplechase, but that was part of the steeple people on the Penn State field um, track team. And um, when I was in grad school, I did my dietetic internship at University of Buffalo. And I also kind of was a volunteer coach. So that's kind of where I really learned that <laughs> there's a lot of weight stigma when it comes to being an athlete. Mm-hmm. There's diet culture and there's pressure. And I think that's what we're going to be probably talking about a little bit later on. Um, and this is kind of where I kind of, when I was a grad assistant at um, University of Buffalo, I realized like, wow, <laughs> I went through a lot of <laughs> stuff in my like own personal experience where um I guess I felt the pressure to be pretty thin myself um, when your coach has so much pressure on you and you want to compete like individually, I guess, in the world of track and field, you'll do anything. Usually that means like running longer, running faster, eating how far you can go in mileage with eating the least amount of possible to like keep your weight down Um, that eventually I did break and I broke my femur and I realized at that moment, I don't think anyone should ever go through that. <laughs> so um, after, you know, when I went to University of Buffalo, I packed a suitcase and I got an opportunity to work on the Oklahoma football team and through working for Oklahoma, Tennessee and the University of Florida. I feel like it really doesn't matter what team you're on. I felt the majority of athletes have pressure to be thin, pressure to be at their best and always look out they always take it out on their nutrition first mm-hmm. and I'm trying to make sure athletes are heard their stress is valid and they feel like they can perform their best with still eating their favorite foods so that's my story yeah <laughs> for sure well I'm glad you're sticking to it because yeah. it is an inspirational story I mean when you first were telling me about breaking your femur when we had met before doing this recording I'm just like my goodness, that sounds one, extremely painful and two, extremely difficult for a runner because like, what bone do you need the most to do track and field? It's like your femur, you kind of need it for everything, but especially as an athlete to go through that and to realize that, Hey, it was potentially because of not fueling your body properly and overexerting yourself and all of these factors that kind of compounded. And really as somebody who was in studying dietetics and studying nutrition, I'm sure it just really changed the way that you were interacting with food. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I guess when you're learning what not to do, you're also learning, you know, what not to do that, you know, can work (laughs) and ultimately still break you so um and it's it's yeah like you said it's not a fun bone to break um and it's very awkward when you do break it because you kind of are wobbling around without a cast on and people are like looking Mm. at you and you're like they 
can definitely tell you're in pain, but not sure what's going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that, how that's not really something they can cast per se. So you're just like on the struggle bus for however long it takes to heal. Oh gosh. Well, I'm glad you're healed now. And like you said, you just did a triathlon. So obviously able to run again. And so there's hope and there's healing. Um, But your personal journey and your professional experience that you explained here, like I said, is going to be a huge help to so many people. Totally. (laughs) Awesome. Um, so I'm really excited for the listeners to hear more of what you have to share. So we can hop right into the questions. As I had mentioned earlier in the episode, athletes are at a higher risk for disordered eating with some studies placing athletes at an eating disorder risk that is three times greater than non-athletes. And you have experienced both as an athlete, as well as a sports dietitian. So experience both on the track and on the sidelines, if you will. So from your perspective, what are some of the factors that place athletes at such a greater risk for issues with food? Totally. Um, I think we'll tackle the personal side first. Yeah. So I guess when as an athlete, um, you know, you want to please your coach, um, especially mm-hmm. I can speak for endurance athletes. I think a majority of us are type A, mm-hmm. maybe some more of us are people pleasers, but we, when we have our mind on something, we want to do it right. Um, and I think with running, you get this overvalued belief that running, you need to be the lowest body weight in order to run the fastest. Like I heard from high school that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people heard this like silly story about how a coach made a, a runner run with dumbbells and then make them run a lap without dumbbells. And they're like, which lap is easier? And they're like the lap without dumbbells. And then they're like, well, don't you think you should lose five pounds then? And I'm just like, wow, like (laughs) that's awful. So yes, performance increases when you have less weight to carry, but I mean, there's always like that breaking point. Um, And I think with endurance athletes, you're always like on that thin line, you're always testing yourself out. And sometimes it's like cool when you're like, oh yeah, I got a stress fracture because I ran so fast, but like no, I got a stress fracture because I wasn't fueling appropriately. Mm. I mean, obviously mm. there's like those accidents where like, I mean, I think my sister got one for like getting bumped into like, she plays rugby though. So like, you oh, know, okay. that's, that's rugby. <laughs> but, rugby, um, rugby is a whole different, whole different another, ball game. Yeah. That's a whole but, different yeah. thing. <laughs> but, um, I think like if your coach says something like, oh, you're looking, you're looking a little beefy in your uniform, like you're going to take it personally. So, um, so if anyone makes a comment towards anyone's um, image, I always say like, you're always feeding the disorder. So Mm. I always say like, if you're ever going to give someone a compliment, try never to give it on their image. Instead, if they're a great friend, like thank them for being a great friend. Thank them for like, thank you for always giving me a ride. Not saying like, you love you look beautiful, you know, and like only this, cause then they're going to be thinking they can only wear that for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so coaches comments, I guess, are obviously, um, when you want to be the best, you're going to take everything to heart. Um, yeah. I remember my coach saying like, what weight were you when you ran your fastest 800? And I was just, and I told her, and then she's like, so what weight are you now? And I wasn't at the same weight, but I but my immediate reaction was, but I grew five inches. And she's just like, hmm. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, then you spend the rest of your season trying to like, well, I got to get down to that weight. Yeah. Um, and then I guess 
I guess I feel like personally and for everyone is the weigh-ins <laughs> for us the first of every month we had a weigh-in so mm-hmm. this was like if you from a dietitian looking back it's a great way to monitor your athlete's weight you know trying to catch the red flags before they become red flags um or maybe the yellow flags before they turn into red but um no one ever explained this to us. Um, all we knew is that if we fluctuated too much, we had a meeting with coach. And then if you had a meeting with coach, it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. So this is why, like, literally, I remember not eating in order <laughs> to maintain my, like, weight or maybe be, like, a, a half a pound light, like less. And I'm just like, man, that's, like, so dumb and like dehydrating and then we had to run practice so you're like going into practice under fueled under hydrated and just like basically a walking disaster and then yeah. um i also take this on a personal another personal note is like when you're an athlete um and you're in college obviously you don't want to be alone forever so i but i remember like i could never get a date with a guy because they're always like oh you're way too thin so then you're like coach is unhappy because you're too fat guys are unhappy because you're too thin so you're like you can't win here so you're like which one are you going to choose you know today maybe based on the season like well I I ran pretty good in this workout so maybe we'll choose track this year (laughs) you know Mm. but um yeah and that's so hard like what you're saying with the coach's comments like coaches like their opinions matter a lot as an athlete. I mean, the coaches are often the ones who are determining what races you're running or what play time you have and all of that stuff. And so it's really important to like what the coaches are saying. And when they're saying those messages to you that you're not thin enough, or you're not going to race at your kind of fastest um, speed that you did when you were at this other weight, that makes a huge impact on us, especially when those weigh-ins are happening in front of other people as well. And so I think like, yeah, that's just really detrimental to an athlete's body image. And it really produces the exact opposite of what they're trying to do. Because like you're saying, you're going into this event underfueled, dehydrated, and all the other things that actually contribute to performance more so than weight. And so you were really doing the opposite to yourself by focusing so much on maintaining this weight rather than focusing on actual performance factors. Yeah. We made it such a bigger deal than it needed to be. But again, that's why it is so important. If you ask someone to do something, you got to explain yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. But so being an athlete, I think was hard, but I wanted to make sure no one felt this way. So I felt with all my athletes that I work with um, as a dietitian, um, I try to make sure that their voice is heard and they're validated because I'm like, I understand what you've gone through. Like I've been there. I've done that. I know what you're thinking and it doesn't work or it does work, you know, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. um, I guess like as a sign lines, like the coach's comments don't go away. Yeah. And if anything, um, coaches want you to maybe like talk to an athlete because of the weight and you're just like, but are they fueled? Like, are they performing good? Like, Um, I always tell my athletes, like, I'm your biggest advocate for you. Like, if you're doing a good job, I'm only going to broadcast that because weight really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day. Yeah. 
Um, and and then, that's so important. Uh, sorry to cut you off. That's so important to have an advocate like that for the athletes. Like you said, you've been in their shoes. You know what it's like to have all of that pressure. And you're more focused on making sure your athletes are fueled and that they're performing to their best ability. And so having someone who is on the sidelines, who has that level of authority for them and is advocating for them is so important. And yeah, it's such a great thing that you're doing that for them. Like if like they can win races and they're still not happy. And I'm just like, get away from like what they look like. Yeah. And win it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why do you care? <laughs> um, and then I guess other things I found on, like, on the sideline is, um, your information is everywhere. Um, I feel like when we were in college, Instagram first started being a thing, but like now it's like definitely like social media is like way more of a thing. I feel like it's just growing. Mm -hmm. And this yeah. thing called TikTok is like taking over. And then I also feel like from the sidelines that um, this name image likeness deal that just passed is a little bit crazy. Um, I definitely have mixed thoughts on it. Um, you know, they're getting paid. I feel like they put their hard work in. Um, however, it's like, I feel like it's very loosey-goosey. I don't know if there's any regulation towards it. Um, people are getting deals and are they recruiting? Like, I don't really know. So I feel like in five years, things will definitely change. Um, and then like on the flip side, I think it is cool. Like, you know, some athletes who've never gotten any attention are getting attention. Um, and I remember asking some of my track athletes when I worked at Florida, asking if they're excited and they're like, sadly said, no. And I'm like, why? And they said, they're not cool enough. They don't have enough followers. They don't look that great. And I was shocked because I'm like, you guys are the toughest athletes out there. Like mm -hmm. you prayed in so many miles before people are like awake. Um, I don't know. So now I guess I always have like this eating disorder cap on thinking like, if this is another trigger, no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because on one hand, it's like intended to help athletes be able to get compensation for kind of all of their hard work. But on the other hand, it becomes this popularity contest where it's like almost taking you back to like high school sports where it's yeah. like really all about popularity. Um, and it's kind of the same sort of thing where like you said, people are saying, oh, I don't look good enough, quote, good enough, or I don't have enough followers or all of these things. And that's just adding so much unnecessary pressure to the already tons of pressure that student athletes are experiencing, which has to be so difficult. Totally. And um, I'll lastly say, um, did I mention coaching, co coaches comments? Like, yeah, you didn't mention that. Yeah. Because I just want to make this like point like set in stone, like what University of Florida fired their soccer coach because they, the soccer athletes complained about like body image stuff. University of Oregon put in policies in place because of body composition, like results being shared. Mm -hmm. I can't like coaches comments like I don't know you do a lot you really make athletes great but I feel like I don't know we just like you, you guys hire support staff I think we need to utilize them a little bit more I don't know a great mm -hmm. way of saying this or maybe like a politically correct way of saying this but like your whole support staff like loves these athletes and we just don't want anyone going through traumatic stress if they don't need to <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, for sure. It's like coaches hold a lot of power, like we talked about, and you can use that power to help people kind of rise to the top and be the best athlete and kind of just grow as a person, like even just beyond like performing and winning and all of that. It's like athletics teaches you so much about life and hard work and all of these things. And so coaches have the ability to help people become the best version of themselves. Or like you said, there's also the ability to put athletes through traumatic stress, which we don't want that side of things. No. Yeah. So speaking of stress, the pandemic obviously had a major impact on mental health uh, for non-athletes and athletes alike. So what are some of the unique challenges that athletes faced during the pandemic and how have you seen those challenges impacting athletes today, specifically in terms of body image, disordered eating, and overall performance? Yeah. um, So the National Eating Disorder Alliance, which is the largest nonprofit to help individuals, you know, affected or having eating disorders. They came out with statistics this year for National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, which is the last week of February. Um, And they mentioned in 2000, since the pandemic started, there's been one 107% increase in the helpline calls, which is crazy. Absolutely Um, insane. Nearly 755,000 people have used a screening tool. Um, And this was back in February. And this was since like, I think, believe from 2015 when they really started like promoting it more. And then um, during the first year of COVID, um, the National Eating Disorder Alliance also provides support to nearly 60,000 individuals with calls, texts, and chats. So 107% increase in calls like to the hotline. And then they actually had like 60,000 like actually like working, trying to find them, I guess, you know, mental health counseling and everything. So mm-hmm. huge traction to the site alone. And then in Australia, there is a study done at the Children's Hospital, Perth Children's Hospital in the Western Australia. And there has been a 25% overall patients ages 12 to 18 um, to actually seek treatment. So there was 1,718 individuals coming in for treatment. Mm. And they were just predicting like 1,300. So that's 500 more than they were expecting. Um, And I believe this is because eating disorders are triggered when someone feels lack of control, isolation, um, and the easiest thing to control is typically like eating, sleeping Mm -hmm. and breathing. Um, And athletes are facing a lot. Um, Back in March, I mean, I thought I was gonna lose my job because for the first time ever, the NCAA canceled. Um, I was sending, um, (laughs) I sent my athletes track meal timelines so like hey don't forget to eat by this time for your event for um indoor track nationals and the coach literally called me and said please stop sending them because ncaa got canceled i'm like what and then literally we got the press like release mm-hmm. and it was very like i couldn't believe it um these athletes you know lack structure they didn't have practice they didn't know what was going on um cross country ended up 
working competing in March instead of in Thanksgiving time. So there was no structure. There were like um, athletes who were never in season were in season for longer. Um, you know, I mean, even the Olympics were canceled. I feel like that was really pressing. So they were facing a lot of challenges. And but I feel like the one blessing um, that I guess if anything came out of COVID was people maybe watch the news more where I think like every time I mean I personally felt every time I was watching the news there was someone saying like don't forget to take care of yourself and your mental health I've never heard mental health being addressed as often as it did and I actually feel like that might be why and I don't know why I chose this children's hospital in Australia but I was actually reading a different article at the time and this was a statistic that like struck with me um about how like these 12 to 18 year olds were you know getting treatment for eating disorders so I think like this might be like why there was a larger increase of inpatients because yeah there is that and yeah I also saw that the Pew Research Center stated that 58 percent of athlete adults so the internet was actually essential during the pandemic. So people were Googling, people were looking up. And when you finally, you know, were able to kind of go back to a little bit of normalcy. And then I always joke around saying like, because I lived at Florida during the time, um, Florida kind of, there was no pandemic. <laughs> but, you know, I think like August, I kind of went back to work and I felt, I faced so many more nutrition counseling appointments. I felt mm -hmm. like we were always either FaceTiming or like telehealth appointments mm -hmm. and um, or athletes saying like, let's wear an N95 mask and like walk outside because obviously nobody knew what this pandemic was yet. Um, and you got a lot of questions like, if I drink a gallon of apple juice a day, will I lose weight? Mm. I just want all listeners to know, please don't do this because you're going to become de really dehydrated and not stop going to the bathroom. And I think this is because of the rise of TikTok um, and pressures of Instagram and people who actually, you know, I feel like those influencers were on the rage and people were literally making money at selling like nutrition advices. Yeah. Um, I feel like I can't go on any social media without getting an ad on to buy this like beach body like cookbook mm. and I'm mm -hmm. like man why yeah <laughs> um, so <laughs> you're like um I am actually qualified like I don't need this beach body cookbook yeah <laughs> probably better than it is oh. written <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that is like everything you're saying here where it's like okay we are going through this really stressful time and something that people often go to to cope with stress is eating behaviors and mm. then we're also like you shared that statistic about how important the internet was and so people are also turning to the internet and being inundated with diet culture and unrealistic body standards and beauty standards. And so you're mixing those two together and it just makes sense why all of the statistics you shared about Netta and the increase of eating disorders are the case because it's like you're putting a really dangerous mix together. And like, we're all just trying to figure it out. Like, obviously none of us wanted the pandemic to happen or could prepare for that to happen, but it just makes so much sense why mental health in many facets has been a huge struggle for a lot of people, but especially regarding eating. Yeah, I just remember like 
we had like uh, interdisciplinary team meetings and with our strength coaches and our athletic trainers and athletes are coming back like I think we're heavier and I'm just like I don't care if you're heavier um if you're happy and you're healthy and you're like you're not getting COVID like and you're alive we can work it out like I don't know like <laughs> yeah the yeah. weight's not the weight's not the issue it's like mental health so. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I'm sure that was huge concern with people coming with athletes coming back. Because again, as you talked about towards the beginning with like comments that coaches make that's stuck in their mind about last season before that a coach maybe Mm -hmm. had made a comment about them not being at their lowest, what quote race weight or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And now they're really not after that, or at that weight after the pandemic. And so I'm sure that was just a huge stress for a lot of people come athletes coming back into sport once they were able to play again yeah yeah and just like I mean so much stress like you were mentioning with like not with the NCAA getting canceled I had a client who was an athlete at a d3 school I think at the time but her she was a senior and her final season got canceled and then you know she graduated and never got it completed and it's like that's just so devastating for an athlete. And so like, not only is it the stressor of just like the pandemic going on, it's like for athletes whose identity is in sports for better or for worse, where it's like, you know, I am this athlete to have that just stripped away from you. And you're not even able to complete your last season or any season that has to be so devastating. Yeah. I, I don't, I got um, my senior year. That's when I, broke my leg oh yeah I went through an identity crisis so mm. with the seniors I felt like at first I'm like well at least like they're all in it together you know mm-hmm. but then I'm like actually I like I don't think I can ever get over it because I'm like man they didn't get to I don't know have like a senior me or like they could do the fifth COVID year but a lot of them were like I just want to go in the real world and do jobs we're like mm-hmm. I want to go pro it's just because they never had that option, you know, it just, yeah. it's, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge and, grievance. Yeah. And I, I don't, I feel like I'll never know what the right thing to say about it is that other than like, I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think there is much that we can say about it other than, yeah, I'm so sorry that that happened. Like that is like, it is, it's a, it's a grievance. It's a loss of something. And in the same way, when we lose someone close to us, you have to grieve losing that last year or losing even a year um, of sport. Um, so kind of shifting gears here a little bit, unless you had anything to add to that. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So when it comes to fueling as an athlete, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see athletes making and what suggestions might you make to an athlete who is struggling to properly fuel their body? Yeah. I think the biggest error I see with athletes eating is eating according to their smartwatch and wondering why they might not see body change, body composition changes. Um, and long story short, our body's not an equation and it doesn't need X amount of calories. Um, I think it's a great tool. I mean, obviously I have a Garmin watch on me. I'll go for, um, what is it? During training for the triathlon, we kind of, I mean, I always use it for a baseline and my fiance Brett is always like, wow, we just like burn 900 calories. We can eat this and this and this. And I'm just like, 
poor man we use a lot of energy we gotta refuel ourselves and not go to the grocery store and like decide what to pick and like lollydag for a while like we really need to eat and like refuel now um because our body's really complex both the males and our females have these hormones that regulate us and our brains need at least 130 grams of carbohydrates a day to keep us like going and just make us think and we need to drink like half our body weight in ounces and like with stress and activity and like if you're growing a baby or you're like trying to like grow after you know breaking a bone or tearing a muscle your energy needs fluctuate it's not based just on an x number and some days you need more some days you need less and some days you're emotional and you just need to eat a cookie yeah you know what <laughs> food can sometimes be emotional that is a huge theme here on this podcast giving everyone yeah. permission to eat that cookie but yeah. i love that you said long story short your body's not a math equation <laughs> Because so many people like to treat it that way. And you're saying those tools, like having the smartwatches make it so easy to treat our bodies like a math equation. Like you're saying, there's nothing wrong with them. I personally can't wear one just because it is super triggering for me. I just like go in a bad place when I have those on, but some people can wear them and that's fine. But I find that they tend to make people look towards external cues of what they shouldn't quote, Mm -hmm. should not be eating, um, rather than internal cues of what their body's actually communicating, like you're saying here, where it's like our needs change from day to day. Yeah. And our needs change. And I mean, I feel like if I was an athlete in today's world, I would never make it because (laughs) (laughs) I used to have a Garmin literally just like that tracked mileage. Mm -hmm. Now your phones do everything. Your watch does everything. Athletes love direction. They like a game plan. They literally have meetings with coaches to come up with a game plan. Um, and then at, seeing them like ex- execute the game plan is really awesome to see. Well, it works out like in a game. But um, sadly, I always like to burst people's bubbles. Like it's nutrition's not that. It's like not a quick fix. It's not easy. I always like to say it's this nice like lifelong plan you're going to have for the rest of your life <laughs> um so what helps um is you know working with a dietitian if you have one um or and dietitians are cool because we can come up with a pregame meal to fuel you and work with your or um even something you can eat while you still have like pregame anxiety um we help you remember to hydrate um, probably better than an iPhone. <laughs> um, and we also can help you like come up with a uh, post-practice post-game meal that can help recharge your batteries, even like enough protein. So, you know, you can feel good the next day and know what to eat when life gets really stressful. So I guess some suggestions I have, if you're not following Riley's Instagram page. I'm not saying this just because she's my boss. She's really great handouts and graphics. That I is. love Riley's page. Absolutely amazing. She does great work. I told her like, I called her on the phone one time when I worked at Ford and she worked at UCLA. And I just like, well, first she like helped me with, cause I love her. She's so great to work with, with like menstrual health. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just like, man, your handouts are so great. Sometimes I just share them with my athletes because they're exactly what I want. And then I'm just like, follow Riley. <laughs> yeah. um, and then if you have a school's dietitian, I always say, see them. Um, they can help you. And also for athletes, you should question everything. If someone's selling you something, you don't think it's right your gut reaction is typically correct. Like if someone's telling you that you what you're eating is not good for you, I mean, go see a dietitian and they'll definitely be able to incorporate your favorite meals like into um, <laughs> your day-to-day. Um, and then also supplements. I always feel like dietitians love to tell you supplements um, saying like, don't waste your money because they're definitely not a quick fix. Um, if you believe something going to take this is going to solve everything, chances are you're wrong. And also, I could just say, like, lastly, should I just go to, like, my last suggestion is don't just take a supplement to take a supplement. A supplement, there's no such thing as a quick fix from them. If you want to take something to solve something, like you are deficient in a vitamin, obviously supplements are purely awesome, but I definitely think you should work with um, a dietitian to kind of come up with a good um, brand for you and make sure that it's third-party tested with either an NSF logo on it or Informed Sport. And there's also a logo on it. And they're going to tell you, you know, like, the why you should be taking it and for example and then I always like to say Thorne it's a company it's T-H-O-R-N-E they're okay. a brand and they actually link research along with the supplement to take so you kind of mm-hmm. can be like is it you know truthfully honest um, they have a great iron that's a little bit like breaking broken down a little bit so you can absorb it a little bit better so mm-hmm. kind of cool so Awesome. That's great to know. And I totally agree with you. It's like supplements are meant to be supplements. They're not meant to just like completely replace something or be this magic fix or quick pill that you take. And all the stuff you're saying about working with a dietitian, I think is so important, like, especially opposed to all of these like apps or programs that are available that basically reduce your body to a math equation. It's like, okay, the thing that one, your body's not a math equation, like you said. And the thing that that's missing is the relationship piece. Because when you have a relationship with a dietitian who can actually help you to sort out your personal struggles, that's going to be a lot more valuable than just looking at some app that doesn't know anything about you and isn't able to kind of know what your like lifestyle is like, or your goals or all of those things. And it's like working with a dietitian is night and day different. And you can't substitute just some, uh, Instagram or TikTok health quote, health influencer for a dietitian. I think that's also important to know because there's a very different, uh, educational and experiential gap there. (laughs) Look for that RD. We know our stuff. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, Awesome. So I think that all is helpful. Uh, So the next question is that underfueling and disordered eating within athletics is a huge issue. So we know this for a lot of reasons. And many of these reasons do go well beyond performance um, and potentially even a reduced social life. With that said, the syndrome that describes the effects of underfueling is known as relative energy deficiency in sport. 
or R-E-D-S. You know this, and I've talked about this on my Instagram. Um, and I know that you yourself are well acquainted with it in your own personal story. Uh, so can you explain what R-E-D-S is and why underfueling is so dangerous to athletes? Yeah, so huge. It is an awful thing to go through. Um, but REDS is, like you said, relative energy deficiency in sport. And it's basically just that it is you are low energy, that it's not just affecting your performance anymore, but basically your overall health. Um, you need, you know, you need to eat in order to make your immune system, your bones, your hormones, um, the IOC, which is the International Olympic Committee, actually came out with this beautiful graphic. I feel like a majority of people have seen where it's like reds with like each little bubble kind of going around it, like um, gas, the GI health, immune system, um, path, uh, psychiatry. And it's just because energy kind of like does so much in your body that that is basically why there's, you know, smartwatches telling you to eat. Um, however, therefore, if you're not eating, you basically can't do so many functions in your body that it just kind of goes beyond low bones, amenorrhea, and low energy, which was kind of like the first, you know, I guess diagnosis, which was the female athlete triad. Um, because, you know, it affects more than men and when more than women it affects men and women. Sorry, that mm -hmm. came out wrong. Um, so underfueling, that is why I guess underfueling is so dangerous because you know it affects not just women, it doesn't just affect men. Um, when you first don't take enough energy, at first, you know, you do lose weight, but you do start plateauing and then things start breaking down because they, your body wants to keep you going and they want to keep your organs going. So, you know, the first thing might be like, you have a lot of hair, like you might have a lot of body hair in order to keep your, you know, your body warm. And then you start, you know, getting sick more often because your immune system is going because they literally want to keep you going and keeping you performing well. So I feel like typically when an athlete comes in and they're sick, kind of often, maybe they have a lot of infections, they're not healing properly, practice, you know, there was a hard day on Tuesday, but they're still feeling it on Saturday. When they have a lot of these, like, maybe red flags, you should say, like, okay, you know, sit them down and just say, like, how is fueling going? When is the last meal you had? And how are you feeling today? If they just are blatantly lying, I mean, you can, I feel like you should always just, like, send them help try to see if they can talk to a psychiatrist, try to make sure they can talk to a dietitian, make sure they have like a safe place or someone they can talk to because mm -hmm. this isn't just food at this point. It's basically, it's more than just food. It's, they're having a lower quality of life and it's affecting, I guess, all areas now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's like the really I know what graphic you're talking about. The really yeah. big thing that that graphic points out where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, here's under fueling and here's all of the things that are like affected everything. by that. <laughs> yeah. And then probably off of each of those bubbles, we could probably even segment that even more. And it could just be this giant web that's like affected by under fueling, which is kind of the purpose of this 
uh, season is more than food. Like you said, it's more than food. And so it is, it's about more than food. It's about like your life, your quality of life. And it really affects your health more so than just your performance. Like it's going to start breaking down those systems. If you're not providing your body with adequate energy and what you're saying about the hair. I remember when I had my eating disorder, I was so freaking cold all of the time. Like I would wear my big winter jacket to my classes and just have it on the whole time. And then when I'd go home, I'd see, sit in front of this little like space heater. Cause I was just so freaking cold the whole, all the time. And it's like, well, yeah. Cause my body didn't have enough energy to keep me at like a normal body temperature. Um, and so, yeah, under fueling is a, a serious issue for sure. Yeah. And I, I definitely think athletes more now, or I guess, I guess women in general, they might know, like it is a red, they're starting to become notice. It is a red flag if you start missing your period, mm -hmm. I had an athlete come to me saying, I missed my period. I've had a stress fracture before and I don't want to ever have this happens again. Like we need to come up with a solution now. And I'm like, man, I like how you are on it. Like, That's so good. I think when I was an athlete, when I was an athlete uh, in college and I didn't have my period, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I am elite. You yeah, know? same. Me too. I went years without and never raised like a red flag. Like, yeah, yeah, that's so good to know though, since you are like right there in, in the colleges in sports nutrition, knowing that people are coming up to you being like, Hey, this happened. I don't ever want this to happen again. There's a problem. Like that means that the advocacy work that Ever, that all these people in the anti-diet community and dietitians have been doing is working because people are now aware of what the red flags are. It's, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's yeah. Because at the end of the day, we just need to be happy. And um, I think my teammate said it best. Her name was Dynasty McGee. I'll give her a shout out. She's just like, man, you're just hangry. You need to eat. That's yeah. why you're miserable. And I'm just like. You're right. But I was so far past that point, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Hangry. There's a point and then there's past hangry and that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> years of hangry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Takes a while to get unhangry at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. So now Going into the next question, before I ask it, I do want to preface that this next question is not intended to be taken as individual nutrition or medical advice. Um, so listeners, please take note of that. But what kind of general tips might you give to an athlete who is struggling with disordered eating, poor body image, or general mental health challenges? And what might the process of building a healthier relationship with food in their bodies while also improving performance include? Um, yes, definitely. I love your little, um, take note. This is not going to cure you sadly, <laughs> or gladly, but, um, some general tips are, I stole this one from Marie Kondo, which okay. is throw anything that doesn't spark joy. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's great. <laughs> you don't feel comfortable in the clothes you're wearing. Like don't wear them. You can buy new ones. You could sell them whatever but that also comes to like your social media like if you are like scrolling and there's an influencer and you're like this just you're comparing yourself you feel bad unfollow them if you're never going to see them again you'll never meet them they'll never know 
And if anything, I've, you won't do the, you know, the comparison, um, what comparison is a thief of joy because it really does. It just like steals that joy. So, and throw them away. Um, another tip I always say, ask yourself who told you it. Um, was it a certified dietitian or was it yourself? Recently, I mean, I went to a conference and I immediately thought I didn't belong. Like recently, my dearest friend who I call like all the time and reach out for advice, she she looked at me and she's like, who told you you didn't belong? And I'm like, man, myself. And she's just like, get that out of your head. She's like, you know, like you're here because you're invited or, you know, like you're qualified and you're here to learn. Like you can't just go around like, you know, um, bring yourself down when the whole world needs to kind of bring each other up. <laughs> um, but the, also, it, it, but it's true to, I mean, anything I think in your life, but also, you know, food and nutrition. Are you taking advice from some person you meet in the gym or are you taking advice with someone who's been working with you, trying to get you to open up and understand like food is fun, food is to be enjoyed food is to help fuel you so you can I guess score the winning goal of the game <laughs> as cliche as that sounds but um don't try to follow people that kind of like cloud your judgment mm, yeah it's so and, easy to believe those lies from uh, from not only ourselves like you were talking about that you had at that conference where it's like okay you tell that lie in your head to yourself that I don't belong so it's easy to believe those lies and then it's also easy to believe the lies that we see on Instagram and TikTok and all of those other places where it's like okay that's not accurate information that's like pseudoscience and and sometimes not even it's just way off like you can't even call it pseudoscience because it's just not even anything so yeah that's great advice um and building a healthy relationship with food I mean this is a hard one I mean I think what helped me which is not gonna help you know it couldn't help anyone else but I just was sick of being miserable and I knew life was meant to be enjoyed because why on earth would be there be so many cliche slogans on wood that you can buy for your house you know life <laughs> is supposed to be great <laughs> um but if you're looking for a healthy relationship with food i would say with nutrition advice like we said probably 15 times already but look for the rd by their name and if you are more of an athlete look for the cssd by a dietitian's name. This is just because if they're not a dietitian, they don't have the education background to support their claims. For, I guess for an example, um, there was somebody out in the gym telling everybody to go keto mm -hmm. because it worked for them. And I feel like such a trigger for all of us who like anti-dieters, but um, it's, Hard because they just you know they don't have the science to just understand that carbs come from energy and when you take the energy away you know your performance is going to go down so probably don't be spreading this around in the gym <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely not oh yeah I have my thoughts on keto and but I could rant on that for like 30 minutes so we'll save that for another yeah, I episode say, I feel like you can have an episode just on um fad diets but yeah another <laughs> 
another um helpful way to like build a healthier relationship with food is this is like very simple is to just not want to diet um you know fad diets are real they're everywhere right when you think you've heard of them all as a dietitian <laughs> a new one starts up <laughs> but nutrition is it's not a quick fix it's a long journey that you're going to have with the rest of your life um it's like that very cliche of your body is a very expensive car so you're obviously going to put in the gas in it so it can drive far and take care of it um so knowing you can incorporate your favorite foods in order to support perform your highest level is true it's not just what dietitians say to you know like get you to work with them it's because we are trying to tell you that at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, the big picture and you want your favorite things included in it in order to basically have a nice, meaningful life. Um, I always say you need to incorporate your favorite foods because say you're at a party and you're told that you can never eat any dessert. Typically when you see dessert, you go balls to the walls, I say, and you might overdo it ultimately making yourself feel bad and leading into like a downward spiral saying, I can't believe I did that. I feel like shit. Um, my body's awful and I'm never going to go into my like body composition guides. If you kind of like have this like idea in your head um, that all foods fit and this more mindful eating approach, typically you're going to have a nice, more mindful eating approach to life. Um, mm -hmm. And there is a book, I think, I mean, I think everybody should be reading it. Um, it is called like Mindful Intuitive Eating, right? Mm, yeah, <laughs> great go. book. Yeah, great book. It is, I feel like the grandfather of the anti-dieters. <laughs> yes, it really is. And that's such a good point that you're talking about, that whole kind of restrict binge cycle that happens when you remove your favorite foods. And it's like, eating is not supposed to be miserable. And you're talking about looking at the bigger picture here. It's like, sometimes we get so, and athletes especially, I think because we have those like short-term goals of like winning this game and then winning this like championship or whatever. And we get so focused on those like short-term goals that we forget about the bigger picture that is life. And it's like, okay, we need to be fueling our bodies in a way that one, we're performing how we want to now, but also that we're healthy for the rest of our lives. And so having that like, okay, every meal isn't the like determinant of my entire health. Like it's, it's way, it's like every meal does not have that much importance. Like you can eat the cake, you can eat the dessert at the party. It's all fine. Um, it's important that you just enjoy your life. Totally. Life yeah. is meant to be enjoyed. And as an athlete, like if you have a body composition test tomorrow and you're eating dinner now, just know a body composition test is just a little snapshot in time to just see how you're doing. And you're probably going to take one in another four or eight months. And if you have a great dietitian, they're going to explain everything to you and everything's going to be fine because you're great. No, nobody told you that today. You are great. <laughs>
Love it. That is a great point to end off on because everyone <laughs> is great. <laughs> um, awesome. So Abby, you obviously know a lot about this topic. And so I have no doubt that working with you would be a huge help for so many people. Uh, so if somebody is listening to this podcast right now and she or he feels like you might be a good fit for them, how might they go about setting up an appointment with you or figuring out how to work with you? Totally. Um, I'm always happy to help individuals feel. Um, also, if you're not an athlete, um, I feel like we're all athletes because we're all on this long run together. We call life. Um, but if you think we're a great fit, you can find me on Instagram at Abby Benson RD. And I spell my name a little bit differently. It's A B B I E B E N S O N R D. Or you can also find me at Riley Betty, Riley Beatty's website, <laughs> um, which is rileybeatty.com. And you can sign up for a free discovery call and see how we can make great goals so you can feel it'll win. Awesome. Perfect. And I'll put the link to her website in the um, by or in the description of this podcast episode. There's like a link button. And so people can just click on that, get straight to that. And then I'll make sure to tag your Instagram handle in the description as well so people can find you super easily sick great <laughs> cool uh is there anything else you would like to add abby before we wrap it up all foods fit and don't forget to eat your vegetable <laughs> there we go awesome well thank you so much for being on today's episode abby this has been extremely helpful i do have one more quick question though and this is just a question that i've been asking every one of my interviewees because i think it's just fun to ask so what is your favorite food my favorite food is my mom's pesto and it's just my mom's, my fiance, Brett, trying to make it. And it's not the same. Oh, so no. if he's listening, love you. But um, <laughs> no, it is <laughs> literally the best. Like it's great on eggs. It's great on like pasta. It's great on toast. Like pesto is amazing. Oh yeah. Pesto is amazing. I'm pretty sure somebody else said that pesto was their favorite thing on this season. So you're not alone in that and nobody can beat mama's cooking. So your fiance shouldn't take offense to that because yeah, I I agree. (laughs) I feel like I judge every sandwich shop Jace based on like their chicken pesto sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So it's an important bar to hit. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Abby. And thank you to the listeners. It has been so much fun. I am Annie Randall. This is Triad Warriors, and we will catch you on the next episode.